0: Hey, and welcome to The Weather Channel. I, Allie, personally know that when you're at rock bottom, it can feel like God is an emotionally abusive boyfriend. This podcast exists to disprove the theory that joy and goodness are only found in perfect circumstances. Here, you'll hear real stories from people who, when faced with heart-wrenching circumstances, chose joy, whether or not it made sense. Hey, Weather Channel community. So I realized that some of you were not here when I was battling cancer. And so you may not know the story behind our t-shirts, but just as I was finishing my first full year of chemotherapy, I was told that I would need a stem cell transplant. This was after I was already in remission, after I thought I was finished. I was so disheartened and honestly angry when I heard this news. I just wanted to be done. I didn't think that I had one more day of fighting left in me. I was so tired. I was tired of hospitals, being away from my girls, tubes, lines, infusions, being poked and prodded, all of the things. And I begged God to give me endurance to continue fighting. I begged him to give me joy and to provide financially for our family as I continued to fight. And rarely have I heard God respond to my prayers immediately, almost audibly. But on this particular day, when I heard that I had to have a stem cell transplant, he did. And he whispered to me, I have and I will. I have been faithful and I will be faithful. And when you hear (laughs) from the Lord, sometimes all you can do is mutter, mutter a very humble and quiet, response and my response to him was you have and you will And this phrase, you have and you will, became so meaningful and so powerful for me that we decided to put it on a t-shirt so that on the good, bad, and ugly days, I could literally clothe myself in truth that God has been faithful and that he will continue to be, no matter how grim my circumstances looked. And today, that shirt is on sale for others who need this same reminder. So if you want to grab a t-shirt, one of our tees or tanks. For yourself or for a friend or family member, or as a group of friends championing someone else in need of this truth right now, you can do so on sale at allychristian.com slash tease, or you can tap the link in the show notes. Hey friends, I'm here with my real life friend, Emily Settle, and I am just so, so grateful to have her here. She is going to be sharing her story and her sweet daughter's story of hope and encouragement. And I'm just so excited for you to meet my real life friends and also to be able to hear this story. So welcome,
1: Emily. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, This is really surreal. I have been a podcast junkie forever. Um, I never thought I would be on this side of it. Yes. So, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yes. Thank
0: you for being here. And so quick, funny story, Emily and I were this morning, we were texting and I asked for her email so I could send her the zoom link <laughs> and Emily texted me and asked for my address. And so I <laughs> sent her my address and then it dawned on me. Emily wants to record in person. That is amazing. I love it. And so Emily is here in person in the office study podcast studio um, and here in real life. And so this is just really sweet, the way that the Lord has worked it out, because like I was Mm -hmm. saying before we hit record, I have, I haven't even heard all of Lucy's story and I know there's Mm -hmm. no way that you could share it in one episode, but to be able to hear it in person, see your face, there's just something about being in person. We've learned that this year, right? Yes. (laughs) There's just something really sweet. So,
1: um, Emily, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yes. So we are local to Atlanta. We live, um, about 10 minutes from each other. We're in the Northeast suburbs of Atlanta. Um, I have so my husband and I have been married for about twelve years, um, and we had four girls within three and a half years of each other. Wow! Yeah, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. I don't think I knew that. Yes, so Abby and Hannah are our oldest. They are twins. Okay, that's right. They were miraculously conceived with a partnership between the Lord and in vitro. Oh, sweet through medicine. Um, and when they were six months old, we found out surprise that we were pregnant oh my with our third daughter Hope. without IVF, without any, oh, yeah, that's so sweet, just total surprise. Oh my goodness. And we were just on cloud nine. <laughs> um, so that whole infertility journey is a whole nother story. Yes. That's another <laughs> <laughs> episode. We're going to yes. record sometime and you
0: going to have to a, fill me in on. Yes.
1: Yeah. That is a whole hard other story, but the Lord was so faithful through that season and Um, then we had a two and a half year break and Lucy, um, completed our family. She was the fourth girl and, um, she's actually named after my husband. Her name is Lucy Brandon. So she has his middle name. Sweet.
0: So yeah. Sweet. I love it. And you are
1: here to share Lucy's story. Yes. So would you share with us Lucy's story? Yes. So, like I said, we had, um, four girls within three and a half years and, um, we, our hearts were full, our hands were full. We were busy and just really loving life. Um, when Lucy turned four, we, we were kind of just entering those golden years of like no more naps, no more diapers, no more diapers. <laughs> like we were just
0: talking about where yes. all of a sudden you find yourself.
1: Right? Yes. They're like big, little people. And, um, They were just all close in age and, um, best little buddies. And we were just, we just, we just look back and say, those were our golden years. I mean, it was like a year and a half of just loving Mm. life and our little family. And, um, so Lucy turned four on November 13th, 2019, she was a perfectly healthy kid. Um, her whole life was perfectly healthy. Um, and about two and a half weeks later, just all of a sudden one day she woke up with a low grade fever and a little bit of a stiff neck, like um, could just tell it was just bothering her and kind of watched it and thought maybe she pulled a muscle, you know, they were on the trampoline or right. maybe she slept on it funny or um, just kind of started watching her, ended up taking her to the pediatrician the next day. And she checked her lymph nodes and everything looked fine. And she checked out fine. And we just thought, you know, just must be a muscle strain. We'll give it some time. And about three days later, she just wasn't getting better. She wasn't sleeping great. She seemed irritable. She just didn't seem herself. Mm. And so um, that was actually a Sunday. So we took her into the urgent care and this is right around Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving of 2019, Um, took her into the urgent care and she just, they just weren't sure. And they said, you know, why don't you go, why don't you head over to Scottish, right? The ER, the children's ER here in Atlanta. Um, it's such a wonderful place. And so we Mm. took her straight there and, um, they ran tests on her. Her blood work came back fine. She had no infections, like everything was just perfect. Um, and so we just thought the same thing. Maybe she had some torticollis, which is like a stiff neck and they Mm. gave her a neck brace to just kind of relax those muscles and took her back home for some rest. And, just a couple more days, she wasn't getting better. And this was over the span of about a week. Um, so we started the pediatrician, then urgent care, then to the ER and then home. We ended up back in the ER after a terrible night of sleep. There mm. was one night where she just wasn't sleeping. She was really restless. And I brought her into our room and um, I actually took videos of her that night. Cause she just was like doing these spasms in her mm. shoulder and, So I just knew my gut was like, something is wrong. So I went back to the ER. Um, It just goes, it's crazy from here. They send us, you know, everything checks out. Mm. They're like, there's nothing. I mean, her blood works fine. Mm. Everything's fine. They send us back home. The very next day, she um, is like over a couple hours, completely paralyzed from the waist down and starting to have some paralysis in her fingers. And I call my pediatrician and she's like, go back to the ER. So this is our third visit and it's evening. And, um, it's about 6 PM. We get there checked in. They send us straight to the trauma room because at this point she's paralyzed. Mm. She's, um, incontinent, Mm. which she was for totally potty trained. So it was very alarming. Right. Um, so we're back in the trauma room, the doctor walks in within seconds. Cause it's the room where you would go to, if you came in via ambulance. So okay. it's like, like intense. Yeah. Um, and I can just see the doctor's brain just spinning and we're going over the events of the last couple of days. And I just keep asking him like, okay, what is worst case scenario? In my mind, it was some virus right. that caused paralysis and he ended up, his first thing was like, I think we need to start with an MRI, all the blood work's fine. Um, there's something going on with her extremities. And um, they, he comes back in and he says, I'm really sorry, but we're not going to be able to do an MRI until the next morning. Cause it was in the evening. And I just looked at him and I know my face was like, she was so fragile and in such a terrible state. I just couldn't imagine her Like, what condition is she going to be in by 7 a.m. when they start MRIs again? And so he walks back out, I guess, pulls a couple strings or just the favor of the Lord. He comes back and says, the whole team's going to stay. We're going to go ahead and get this emergent MRI done. Mm -hmm. So they wheel her back it's this whole big thing of like, should we sedate her? Cause you have to stay completely still in this MRI, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. You've done MRIs. yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't imagine um,
0: being four and trying to four. do it.
1: Yes. But thankfully she was just in such a weak state mm-hmm. that she was able to, to just, to lay, just there. lay there. It's all she could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a two and a half hour MRI and immediately, this is probably about 10 PM at night um the ER doctor walks right in and sits us down and he says i'm so sorry to tell you this but your daughter has in his words he said she has a massive cancerous tumor all wrapped up in and around her spine oh my gosh and he said the neurologists are on their way we've called the team um they'll be they'll be in the room within 30 minutes and we just it's that moment that you see in movies Right. You're just like, I mean, the world stops. You feel like you can't stand up. Yeah. And I just look at my husband and we just hold each other and we're trying to hold it together because Lucy is right there. Mm. Um, and we're not sure how much she can comprehend or understand. Yeah. And um, we just, we just agree like, okay, Lord, for your glory. Like that is mm. the only way that we can get through this is if any of this can glorify your name. Wow. So immediately you decided that immediately it was, it was just, you know, you think like how I ever respond to something like that. And the sweetness of the Lord was just, it was, it was just in our spirits and in the tip of our tongue for your glory, Lord, Mm -hmm. if this is what it takes Mm -hmm. for Your name to be glorified, then like we're in (sighs) any other, any other reason we're like no way can we do this. But yes,
0: I love that his grace was sufficient, even for that moment that he put that thought on your heart and in your mind that that you just immediately were like, this is all
1: right. So Mm. what happened from there? Okay. So after that, the surgeons come in, it's probably about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. Um, and they, they recommend emergency surgery the very next morning. Um, and so we, so they thought they could operate. Yes. Okay. Yes. They weren't totally sure, but they were, um, it's amazing how in this emergency situation, like they've already sent the MRI images to the neurosurgeon who's scheduled for the next day. And, um, he was up all night looking at these slides and I was kind of yeah. nervous of like, don't right. you need to sleep right. if right. you're going to be operating yeah. on my daughter's spinal cord? Um, but that's just that's what they're made to do. Yeah. yeah. And um, wow. So we get um, admitted into the ICU. So we go upstairs, and um, they kind of get Lucy settled. They're prepping her for surgery the next morning, and they said it'll probably be around eight a.m. And so at this point, Jonathan has slowly started to call my my parents. Mm. His parents, some dear friends. And it was just the the most shocking call that he's ever had to make, obviously. And everyone has questions, and, you know, but the Lord just rallies these people. Friends show up in the middle of the night to pray and to bring um, Chick fil A and coffee. And um, at 8 a.m., as soon as the hospital doors open, the waiting room in the NICU was completely full of friends and family. And we were anticipating surgery at eight. They actually didn't start until about noon because they were still studying mm-hmm. um, her, her MRI. And that morning things just got worse and worse and worse. The neurosurgeon walked in and he's probably a 70 year old man and he's been doing the, these surgeries forever. And he was just explained how dire this, tumor was and that he has rarely seen something so aggressive. And so things just get worse and worse. And we're terrified, Um, just absolutely terrified. And they explain all the risks. I mean, obviously more paralysis, um, forever paralysis Mm. was a huge risk. Um, But we We had a lot of peace that that was the next step. I mean, there was no question because of Lucy's the state she was in. Yeah, Yeah. She just it was it it had to be the next step. So um so they started surgery and um the surgery actually went really well from the reports. Um the the initial pathology. So in that first surgery, they um pull a piece of the tissue, run it, do a quick biopsy, and those first results came back that it was benign. And, and so that gave them the go ahead to, um, debunk the tumor to like remove as much as they could. They actually called in another surgeon that day. Um, so two surgeons worked on her, um, it was hours and hours, um, but we were thankful. It seemed like a huge answer to prayer that the tumor was benign, um, and they had her scheduled to start radiation the very next day after surgery. Well, they actually called off radiation Mm -hmm. because of the initial results. And so that night we laid our head down thinking, thank you, Lord. Like we have made it through the surgery. It's benign. Like it just seemed like there was hope Mm -hmm. when in the morning, it just seemed very hopeless, which is so honestly, so
0: for people who don't understand cancer they they have no idea all of these details that go into the diagnosis yes. they they yes. get you know, a call with the 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 um, actual facts, or they see a Facebook post that it is cancer or it isn't cancer, but they don't they don't see these behind the scenes things right. that yeah. oh it's this diagnosis oh mm-hmm. guess what you're cancer free oh guess what you're not and just yes. the ups and downs
1: and so yes your mind is just like yeah oh my it goodness. was such a roller coaster and honestly through her whole journey it was so mysterious we actually never called it cancer until probably after she passed away. Wow. Um, it was always a tumor. Um, okay. cause in the cancer world, there's cancers like blood cancers. Yeah. And then there's tumors. Yeah. Um, and sometimes tumors are either malignant or benign. Mm-hmm. Um, and so through Lucy's pathology reports, it never came back aggressive, which was very mysterious for us and the doctors. Um, and, Every time we would see our oncologist, my heart would just think that she would have terrible news, and she would have decent news, like neutral news. And yeah. you know, and we just kept saying, like, okay, another um, another day of like not. You know, um, aggressive tumors have these markers in their genes, yeah. and none of Lucy's markers matched up with anything that would say it was high grade. So she was never labeled as a stage. Um, she, so her her initial diagnosis was that it was a glial tumor. Um, a glial is the tissue in your brain and your spinal cord. And, um, so she had a glioma. It was never, it was, um, just an unknown stage. Yeah. Wow. So, and so the, the radiation got called off mm -hmm. and, and then what happened from there? So, so at this point, Lucy is recovering from a spinal cord injury, um, And she is in the NICU for a couple of nights and then gets moved up into the rehab floor. And so she's basically just doing physical therapy um, every day, PT, OT, um, just getting stronger and stronger. And she's doing well. Um, She's four. So it's really hard emotionally and like she doesn't understand, Um, but she's working hard and she's having you know, they do the best they can with the, they bring the Choa dogs in the therapy dogs. And she loves that. And, um, her room is just covered in stuffed animals and balloons. And so we're literally doing the best we can. Yeah. Right. Um, and so this was all through December. So her surgery was December 5th. Um, and then she was in the hospital on the rehab floor until January 8th. She came home. Wow. In between there, so, um, January 5th surgery, she's doing really well, just going through PTOT on December. So, Christmas, we're in the hospital, Christmas morning. Um, and we, the Lord is just, He's Emmanuel during that time. Like, mm-hmm. He is truly God with us mm-hmm. in that season. Mm-hmm. And it was never more clear to me the reason behind Christmas and mm-hmm. God coming. And yeah. it, that was just a, a really hard and beautiful time to do Christmas in the hospital and with yeah. all these unknowns, but, um, <clears throat> excuse me, two days after Christmas, we started noticing Lucy's opening a present. we started noticing in her hand, um, just some paralysis again. And in my mind, I'm thinking it's the meds or she's on so many meds and recovering. And, um, I think it's anything, but well, her, neurosurgeons decide, let's go ahead and do an MRI, see how things are looking. And on December 27th, um, her MRI reveals that the tumor has completely grown back to full and or bigger than what it was originally. So it had been two and a half weeks oh and it was completely back. And so that was one of the hardest, one of the hardest nights. Cause we just knew no matter what the pathology said, we knew at this point it was super aggressive and high grade. Yeah. And so after that, it was a flurry of all of her doctors and us praying and, you know, asking God, what is the next step? And we felt really, um, strongly that radiation was the next step. We were going to treat this as aggressively as possible. Um, I was up all night researching, reading, um, doing anything I could to just try to, you know, that's just my MO, like yeah. instead of sitting in the unknown, like right. I'm going to open my computer and research and email doctors and read blogs and carrying bridges and yeah. try to get as much information as I could. Yeah. And, um, and at this point, we're also sending her um, medical reports all over the country for other opinions. And, um, every doctor that we talked to all over the country, agreed radiation was the next best step. Mm -hmm. And thankfully we were able to stay in downtown Atlanta. And so on new year's Eve, she had her first radiation Mm -hmm. and did six weeks of radiation. And, um, she came home from the hospital in the middle of that. So on January 8th, she came home her last day of radiation was February 12th, which is my birthday. Aww. Um, and that day we just celebrated and, um, you know, we, she refused to ring the bell. So at this point she was, <laughs> <laughs> she was on a really heavy steroid. Uh-huh. Um, she, which I don't know if you know, but it makes you like gain weight. Oh yeah. Really. Um, your it's really water. Really? Yeah. Your yeah. cheeks are huge. You can barely yeah. smile. You, yeah your body is just so bloated. Yeah. And, um, she was also just having a lot of the personality changes, like mm. the, 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 the rage, swings. like the mood yeah. swings. And, um, mm. so, you know, we were again, just doing the best we can in this part of the story. We, I had a really dear friend and mentor who just showed up at exactly the right time or would send encouragements and One thing that she told Jonathan and I really early on, actually right before um, the tumor grew back was that we really have, we have no control over the quantity of days Mm. that Lucy has, that that's in the Lord's hands, Mm. but that what we can control are the quality of her days and our days. Mm. And so we, after that just made every decision based on quality. We trusted God with the quantity, how many days we had with her and just focused on making every moment fun and, you know, bringing in our other kids. We still had three other kids at home that were in school and, um, we had family kind of helping us keep all that going. And so she finished radiation, finished the
0: steroids. What was the report after that?
1: So after radiation, we were we were ready to, our next step was, um, Jonathan and I had kind of researched a unconventional doctor in Houston and we felt like that was our very next step. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's kind of where we became friends yes. because you had come down for non-con- yes. non-conventional treatment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so we, we just felt like the Lord had led us to this doctor out in Houston, um, just miraculously, like it was so clear Um, and we knew, okay, this is our next step. So we asked for an earlier MRI so that we could have an image to take to the next doctor in Houston. And so on March 2nd, Lucy went in for her MRI and on March 3rd, we had the results meeting. And before this, we had asked all of our friends and family to fast and pray Mm -hmm. and, Lucy was doing so well. She was doing awesome in her therapy. And we just had this sense of like, she just looks so good clinically. Mm-hmm. And we were so interested to see what the results would be post radiation. And obviously we were trusting God for a miracle, miracle results. Yeah. And, um, we sat down on March 3rd. I know this date cause it's my husband's birthday. Mm-hmm these big days aligned with birthdays, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I've heard that in other people's stories and I don't know why the Lord does that, but I have to believe it's, it's intentional. But, um, so March 3rd, we sit down with the oncologist and she slides over the first, the original MRI image. And my husband and I are there, Lucy's in the room and my mom is actually there. Cause she felt like the Lord had sent her to Atlanta to come and hear these results. Mm. And then she slides over yesterday's results of the MRI. And she looks at us and she says, in all of my days of oncology, I have never seen such a clear MRI. She said, this is a miraculous act of God. These are her words, not ours. She said, there is no sign of tumor. It is, it is gone. And we just all took this huge (gasps) deep breath. And just looked at each other tears streaming down our face and and then I had a ton of questions. Mm-hmm. What does this mean? Like how could this be? Are you sure you haven't seen this before? Mm-hmm. Does this mean it's really high grade? Is it you know like what yeah what do we do now? Yeah um, And we you know we still had so many questions, but we chose to praise God yeah for it and to rejoice in the answered prayer. yeah. And, um, so we went home and had this massive party yeah. with all of our community and friends and family. And, um, I love that. and so we just celebrated. And then the next day I had the most intense, I was just attacked with fear mm-hmm. and anxiety and the what ifs came. And that was one of my darkest days. It was mm-hmm. almost like seeing that and even hearing the doctor's words. And she, I mean, we are very strong in our faith mm-hmm. and she's a doctor. So she has to tell us medically what she knows, right? She, she literally said this, I believe our team believes this is an act of God. Um, so the next day I just had to pray through the fear and, um, the Lord just whispered to me, it's not about the miracle. It's not about what I can do. It's about who I am. Mm. And that just gave me so much peace because it's, miracles, they're all temporary. Yeah. I mean, all healing miracles, this side of heaven, they end Mm -hmm. right. Like Mm -hmm. our only, our true lasting miracle is healing in eternity in heaven. Yeah. And so, um, I was just reminded of that truth and just, we chose to walk forward, um, in what had, what had occurred and we just celebrated a week later, COVID hit, the world shut down yeah. 7 days after that and um for us the miracle of march was that we had the sweetest family time our kids school was canceled so our kids were home all day we had breakfast lunch and dinner together we watched movies we got a puppy we got a <laughs> quarantine puppy <laughs> my husband had promised lucy when she started taking her first steps again, that Aww. he would get her a puppy. Aww. And so um, the middle of March, she started taking steps, Aww. holding his hand. And so we got a puppy, a golden retriever, um, just like the therapy dogs at the hospital yeah. that just brought us so much joy and laughter. Yeah. And, um, so that was just such a gift, that season of time with the six of us. Um, And I think when I look back, you know, that the miracle, and then I'll tell the story of what happens next, but Mm -hmm. that season is just such a gift. And we have chosen to see that as a miracle Mm. because if that scan hadn't been clear, we would have been heading to Houston. We would have, you know, and then COVID would have hit. We would have been separated. We Mm. would have maybe been stuck in Houston. We would have maybe not been able to do the treatments because of COVID. So I just have to believe that the Lord orchestrated that out of his mercy and that that was, that was a grace. Yes. On Lucy's story. Yes. Yeah.
0: That's so sweet. And so you're home with Mm -hmm. the girls, with the dog, with your husband, (laughs) virtual learning, virtual (laughs) learning, all the things. And I remember this, and I want to add this in because, um, going back to what you said about, this is when we connected, when you we were thinking about doing integrative treatment, mm-hmm. Lucy and Addy went to preschool together. So mm-hmm. they were at the same, they were in different classes, but they were at the same preschool. And mm-hmm. so that's just another grace that the Lord has put in both of our lives that yeah. I, at this time I was doing integrative treatment. Mm-hmm. And I remember you texted me, um, the principal of the school gave, mm-hmm. I think I had your number too, because when you texted it so. popped up and I was like, <laughs> for you to talk to me because I didn't want to impose. And I had been praying because I was in a Bible study at the school. And, um, and I just remember that was one of the first times when, when I shared my doctor's name with you and then you had called him and, and he told you that he doesn't Mm -hmm. do pediatric work. I remember that was one of the first times that, and I'll never forget that because I just felt like, what? Like yes. just so <laughs> hopeless and frustrated and like, oh my mm. goodness, like we do live in a broken world, you know, like you there are limited resources, there are mm. laws and restrictions and and yeah. you know, et cetera. And I just mm. felt like, no, this little girl, you know, needs something. Somebody right. help her. What do you yeah. mean you don't, you know? Yeah. So what happens after
1: that mm. um march? Okay. So, and I do quickly want to say, you know, we, th- you were such an encouragement about, cause we were so like, do we go this non-conventional route? It felt like coming off the path of what the mainstream would want you to do. Mm-hmm. And we just, you know, we had a lot of peace about it and the Lord was leading in that direction. And to hear that your family had moved from New York to do this treatment, we mm-hmm. were like that you know, that just made us feel like we're not crazy. Mm. Like we're open to other yes. things. That's how um, you feel. That's yes, how you feel you because feel people are like, what do you yes. mean? You're not going to yes. you know, do what this huge hospital or yes. this research center. And at that time we were doing as much holistic things as we could do. I mean, super clean diet, no mm-hmm. sugar, um, green smoothies. We, yeah. I mean, all of Lucy's life. I think the, one of the most confusing parts of her diagnosis is there's nothing, that we did any different with Lucy that we didn't do with our other children. Yeah. Like they all had the same environmental, um, toxins or, yeah. um, anything yeah. that they, the, anything that could have caused this, yes. all of
0: your other girls have all, the same, yes. they have the same chance. genetics.
1: Um, we were like maybe the top 10% of like eating organic and mm. we spread out vaccines when they were babies. And we did you Know the vitamins, and yeah. we thought we were doing everything you could do, mm-hmm. but I think in your podcast, like things don't always go as planned. Yeah, like we were planning this beautiful, perfect life of, yeah, for girls, for healthy girls, and um, it, t- it took such a U turn, but um, okay, so end of March, um, it's exactly This day a year ago, so I don't know when this will release, but March 29th,
0: oh my goodness, of
1: 2020. Um, oh,
0: Emily, yeah, it's not a coincidence, (laughs) no,
1: it's not. It's not. Um, Lucy woke up, throwing up in her bed, I'll never forget it. I was sitting in my blue chair journaling and just like thanking the Lord that we weren't in the hospital during COVID. Like, COVID was like the big thing, I mean, it was all like the stay in place and don't leave your house. And nobody knew what to do. Nobody knew what to do. And, um, and we had just, just been through this roller coaster. and I was like taking a deep breath, like, thank you, Lord, at least Lucy is home. Yeah. And she starts throwing up and everything in me knows vomiting is one of the worst things Mm -hmm. that can be going on with a tumor. Yeah. Um, I take her into the ER. They check her. Everything seems fine. The one thing we were concerned about was her steroids Mm. because she had to have it every four hours. Mm. Um, And so they give me, they give her an IV of her steroid, send us back home. Um, And I get her comfy on the couch. We're watching Paw Patrol and she just is zoning out, like completely zoning out. Um, I call my husband. I think he's out mountain biking or something crazy. Mm. Like you have to get home right now. Of course these things happen when it's yes, gone. Right. Um, and it's, I, I just know from reading and all the research I've been doing, like this is seizure activity and this is really bad. Mm. Um, and she actually it's, you know, we're on the phone with the hospital. We're calling her doctors, like trying to decide. I think the, one of the hardest things about all of this is the decisions you have to make yes. within like quickly, yeah. Like, what do we do? Yes. Like, do we stay home? Do we go to the hospital? Yeah. I don't want to go back to the ER. Yeah. Like, this poor child has been yeah. through so much. Does this mean we're back at it? Yeah. Like, we have just had this like three week, the best, most beautiful three weeks together of no cancer treatments yeah. or anything. And, and you
0: heard the words miracle,
1: miracle and act of God.
0: And yes. So and your
1: children, your other children are
0: right there. And yes. you're <laughs> like, I can. Yes. Relate in a sense that yes. you know you try and act calm and yes protect them, but yes. also at the same time, your
1: time is of the essence and you're freaking, yes, yes, freaking. Is yeah, what we were, doing. yeah. <laughs> so on the couch, Lucy actually has a full blown seizure mm-hmm. and we rush her. A-, a neighbor comes over, stays with the kids, we rush her. Um, we actually end up at the fire department. They give her, a, you know, her first dose of Ativan to try to calm yeah. the seizing. They put her in the ambulance. They don't let me in the ambulance because of COVID, COVID. Protocols. Oh my goodness. So we follow the ambulance to the ER. We get there. They say, I'm sorry, only one adult is allowed to come in. We were like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. They take our, and they're like, okay, fine. We'll take your temperatures. Of course, Jonathan is running like a hundred degree temperature because he's running all over. We're, <laughs> yeah. He's trying to drive and get us there. Yeah. And. Um, so I totally understand why they have to do all this, but it's like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, and again, we're back in the trauma room and they're giving her doses of Ativan over and over the seizures, aren't stopping. Um, they actually end up intubating her and putting a breathing tube in. Oh my gosh. And, um, they finally get her body calm, decide to do a CT scan. And the CT scan that night reveals a huge brain tumor on her frontal lobe and it has crossed the midsection. So we know like all of these medical terms mean it's really bad. Mm -hmm. And they, we call my mom, she, you know, each time these events have happened, my mom gets in the car and drives from South Carolina and she meets us at the hospital and, um, she ends up staying that night with Lucy cause she's intubated and she's, you know, she's in a coma mm-hmm. and, um, Jonathan mm-hmm. and I go home to pack our bags for who knows how long, cause mm-hmm. we've, we've done this before. And, yeah. um, we just knew there was, there was nothing. I mean, this was it, this mean, this had meant that the At that time, we knew it was cancer. We knew it had metastasized all over her central nervous system. Her her spinal cord was still completely clear, where the miraculous main tumor had disappeared. Mm. But now it was in her brain and down the bottom, the lower end Mm. of her spinal Mm. column. And at this point, you know, the next day we get back to the hospital. We sneak Jonathan in (laughs) because only one adult is allowed, Um, and our nurses. Uh, I probably shouldn't I, hope I don't <laughs> get anyone in trouble, but <laughs> no. we're both there because it was truly at this point, it was an end of life situation, right? I mean, it was, right. they were like, we don't know if she'll come off this ventilator. We don't know the neurological um, response that she will yeah. have to take another breath on her right. own. And um, at this point, the doctors are, you know, the oncologists are saying we've done everything we can do. And the ICU nurses are saying, we don't know if she'll come off of this ventilator and we're making those final, um, life decisions of do not resuscitate. If she can't take that breath, like we know we trust the Lord with her life Mm -hmm. and in in her death, we trust the Lord. And we knew at that point, we're not going to intervene Mm -hmm. medically because the best thing for Lucy at this point is whole. Healing in eternity, like that Being with Jesus. With Jesus, mm-hmm. that was um, that was our only hope. Yeah, in those days, and um, she actually ended up coming off the ventilator, taking a breath, um, and they had her home on hospice on comfort care within like two hours. They got her home on um, an in-home ventilator, set her up in in our house, um, and. Mm-hmm. And, um, we were so thankful to get her home. Like I thought I didn't know if she'd leave the hospital and I didn't know if I wanted her to leave the hospital. It seemed like maybe this is easier. Yeah. Um, but as soon as we got her home, it was just like, thank you Lord for letting us bring her home into her own bed and letting her sisters have some time to be with her and, um, family to come see her and just keep her comfortable. And, um, she was actually home on hospice. For um, six weeks, oh, wow. and we had a nurse that came to the house and helped us. And mm. um, our nurse was an angel mm. from the Lord. She was actually trained in grief counseling, and we say that she was like ten percent Lucy's nurse and ninety percent our mm-hmm. grief counselor. And she would come. Of course, she would check Lucy's vitals, and we would talk medically. But she would just sit at our kitchen table and talk to us Ooh. about what we were going through, and um, she was just such a gift. She was a safe place. She um she worked in hospice. I mean, she was a professional at what we were yeah. going through and she loved the Lord and she we had faith in common. It was a um a faith-based hospice. Okay. Pediatric. I mean, it was amazing. Oh, so 6
0: weeks Lucy's in hospice for 6 weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And was what was that time like with her? Just like was yeah. it was it
1: sweet? Was she sleeping? Yeah. What did that look like? So both. It was it was sweet. Um, we we were just kind of in this tension of we know Lucy's heaven bound. Like she's she's going home to be with mm-hmm. Jesus, but we don't know when. Mm-hmm. We don't know there was so much we had a lot of peace, but there was also this fear of like what are the next couple of weeks gonna look like? Yeah. And how long is this gonna take? Yeah. And what's it? Did the
0: thought like and what's it actually going to look like? Yes. Go through your hibia. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we asked our nurse that all the time. Yeah. Like, what? Like, just tell us. Yeah. What are we looking for next? And how much longer do you think we have? And um, she had a lot. She had a couple of really great weeks, um, two or three good weeks of still doing puzzles and watching TV. Mm -hmm. And um, so this was um, basically April first through, um, she ended up passing away May 13th. Mm. And, um, one of the big things is we were just praying that she would make it through Abby and Hannah's birthday, which Mm. was April 24th. Mm. Um, and she did, and we have a really sweet memory of her. They had a sleepover. Um, we were not very COVID friendly at the time. I mean, we just kind of had our core people that that we just, yeah, (laughs) we had our bubble that, you you know, you just have to have that. Yes. And, um, And we have a really sweet memory of her coming down that next morning, um, and laying on the couch and watching TV with all of Abby and Hannah's friends. Mm -hmm. And, um, she was sleepy towards the end. We had family come in and visit with her. And, um, my mom sat with her a lot and let Jonathan and I go out and do some things with the girls and, um, feeling helpless, like not knowing there was nothing we could do. Yeah. And just waiting, truly waiting on the Lord yeah. and his timing and just praying that the Lord would have mercy and, and take her. I mean, you get to the most mm. impossible place as a mother of like true sacrificial love is wanting your daughter to go to heaven because mm. she was so, mm. her body was so broken. She was so sick. Um, and towards oh. the end we were managing her seizures um she was sedated a lot um and we got the news that she was imminent a couple about 6 hours before she passed away and yeah there was a day where she came and checked her vitals and her blood pressure was through the roof and she was running a fever and those are signs mm-hmm. at this point i don't think she had been responsive for about 24 hours um, mother's day was actually mm-hmm. the last day that she was responsive and um we just crawled in bed and laid with her and family came in and her sisters came in and we played harp music harp worship music was something that we heard the lord whisper to us to do and so we just we did and we read scripture and um drank coffee because it was through the night and um I will say it was the most devastating, but holy moment I've ever experienced in my life. I have never seen anyone. I didn't know death until this, like I have no, um, I've never seen anyone die. So I just did not know what to expect. This was obviously, um, something so foreign to me and our family. Um, but it was the most holy moment i mean fam- a heaven felt so tangible and mm. so real yeah. and um and she peacefully passed we had family our um a group from our church came and prayed over us and um you know that i yeah it's just so beautiful. the girls yeah. said goodbye and they our nurse really encouraged yes. them to be a part of it mm. to um to watch it. And she kind of just walked us through, like, now's a good time to bring the girls in and when to send them out. And, um, and that was such a gift because we didn't know what in the world, like how to do that with other children. Right. What are some of the most clear ways that God revealed himself to you? I would just say it was so real. It was so tangible. Um, and it was nothing I was doing. Like I was in a place where I couldn't pray. I couldn't read. I couldn't open scripture. Mm. Um, It was really just like moment by moment. um, He was just there and with us. And it was just a piece that surpassed all understanding. I mean, how many times have we read that? Yeah. You can read it, but to experience it, it was just, it was the only explanation that it was the Lord with us and in us and, And through his strength that we were, I mean, how do you do that right outside of the Lord? Right. Like it seemed just impossible. Yeah. Um, we listened to books. Um, like I said, I couldn't read. I listened to heaven by Randy Alcorn. Okay. And that, um, just brought a lot of, um, answers to my questions about heaven. It was really hard for me because as a mother, I've always been the type that I want to prepare my children for what they're going through. Yeah. Like, you know, I like to walk them through their day. Like, this is what we're going to do today. And, you know, just like, right. just logistics. That's yeah. my thing. Yeah. To have a daughter enter the gates of heaven before me and not knowing and just having to trust the Lord, like Jesus, you're going to have to come get her because, yeah. you know, yeah and that was, I just trusted him for that.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness. And I feel like it must have been like the idea of her not being fully yours, like, but being the Lord's must have been, that's the thought going through my head right now. It must have been so clear. Like Mm -hmm. she truly isn't mine. Like I, I don't even, I don't get to walk her through this. Like Mm -hmm. I don't get to go to heaven with her right now and show her around and share the agenda of the day. Like, and, but God's got it. Yeah. Like he's, he's walking her there and through it and he's got it. Oh my Mm -hmm. goodness. That's so crazy to think about. And it's so, I think it's so good for us to Mm -hmm. like focus on those things that are from above. Like what were the most helpful things for you through Lucy's journey? And also Mm -hmm.
1: after she passed, honestly, one of the things that really carried me was receiving scripture from friends. Mm. Um, I would get a ton of text messages um, and I would kind of save them to like really sit down. And it was always scripture because the Lord just speaks through people like that. Yes. And on my note, so I would copy and paste the scripture that was texted to me into my notepad. And it it was just titled Lucy's journal. Mm. And I kept that going the whole time. And I would just anytime I had a thought or anything, um, I would copy and paste it into that notepad on my phone. And so I would copy and paste scriptures in there. And, um, cause the days were busy. I mean, we yeah. were going, 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 I mean, when you're right. caretaking yeah. and doing therapy and all that, you don't have time to sit down and then you have three other kids <laughs> and three can't other Can't even kids. imagine. Yeah. So it was just, we had to be fully present with Lucy at all times. And so, Um, receiving scripture was just such a gift. Mm -hmm. And there would be times where um, it would catch my eye and I would want to go find it in my Bible and highlight it. But sometimes it was just enough to read that and post it. And it would be really cool to see the same scriptures coming through that the Lord had given to people for us. And just the themes of those. Um, So that was one. Worship music was so powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone told us like, when you play worship music, fear and anxiety it can't enter in and so we just played worship music all the time mm-hmm. whether it was instrumental or um words mm-hmm. it was just always playing um i got airpods for christmas that christmas and so i often had one earbud in you know Lucy was in and out of the room and just always playing yeah it was all we could do yeah i mean there you come to this place where you can't do you just have to receive yeah. either worship music or scripture from other people mm. and everything else, else. <laughs> meals yes oh my goodness meals gift yeah. cards yeah I mean they were dropping off activities for the kids and yeah. um people were watching our kids and um yeah so we were we were so loved by our community after Lucy passed away um we read a lot we really just devoured books on loss and grief. Mm -hmm. One of the first books I read was a book called Still She Laughs by Kate Merrick. Um, And it's about a mom who loses an eight-year-old to cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, And that book was so important for me because she, the mom talked a lot about her grief in it Mm -hmm. and how her grief looked really different. And I related to her so much. Mm -hmm. She was, Um, she was very quiet and um, personal in her grief, but not emotional, Mm -hmm. more like productive grief. And I didn't have the words for that, but that's what I was feeling. I always thought if I would lose a child, I would crawl in bed Mm -hmm. and never get up. Yeah, But I was finding myself like staying busy and needing to be productive and keep doing the very next thing. And finding my grief to be very private and just needing space. And, um, and that book gave me a lot of words for that. Yeah. And, um, and the basis of the book is, and she still laughs. It's from Proverbs 31 mm-hmm. where it's, she's closed with strength and digna- dignity, dignity. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm paraphrasing, but she looks at the future and she still laughs. Yeah. And I just, I just knew that there was still a bright future for us mm-hmm. and a future full of joy and that we could laugh like it was okay to laugh and to find joy mm-hmm. even after losing Lucy. And so that book was great. Um we read another book called Imagine Heaven which is um near death experiences and people who've experienced heaven and that um was really great for us. And um, Stephen Curtis Chapman mm-hmm. his wife wrote a book called choosing to see. So just reading a lot of stories about grief, listening to podcasts. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I feel like I always had something in my ear yeah. um, podcasts like yours that interview and talk about hard things. Yeah. And um, just knowing I wasn't alone in the suffering yeah. and that what we were experiencing, it was okay. Yeah, And that the Lord would turn that for good. Yeah. Like stories of redemption and just trusting that even though we don't see it now, that the Lord will one day redeem. Yeah. The story of yeah. Losing Lucy.
0: Yeah. What was the hardest part through all of
1: this? The miracle was really hard. Um, there were spiritually, it felt like such a roller coaster mm. of a whiplash of yeah. she's healed. And choosing in our faith to fully go all in on the, she's healed because a, we know God is able, Mm -hmm. we know he can. So we're going to trust him that she is, and we're going to stand on that. But then for it to come back, yeah that was so hard. And we still have so many questions about that. Yeah. But, um, we just choose to see the Lord's mercy in that, like giving us that time as a family, not sending us to Houston. And, you know, I think you can choose to see through the lens of grace and mercy, like Mm. some of the hardest things, like Lucy was four. That seems so hard. Like she was four years old, but also that seems like mercy because she didn't fully understand. Mm. And, she didn't question what was going on. And it seems like, it seems merciful that she was only four in a way. Yeah. And so to look at those miracle couple weeks and to not be embarrassed about that of like, you know, we celebrated and gave testimonies of healing and did God fail? Like what what, did our faith fail? Yeah. And the Lord just reminded us over and over again, it's not about what I can do. Mm. It's about who I am. Yes. And that just sustained us. And we don't regret trusting God that he fully healed her. I don't regret it for one moment because he can, he's able, he easily could have. Yes. And he ultimately did. Yes. I am so encouraged by
0: your faith and, and that you have chosen to see God show up like I I heard last night I can't even remember it I think it was in a podcast I don't even remember um a family going through something really hard and being on God watch and Mm -hmm. and that's what you are doing and what you did do is is looking for God and I'm I'm always so encouraged by people who are looking for the Lord not that it's not okay to have questions Mm -hmm. or or to struggle or to be angry but but to ultimately surrender. And that's what I'm hearing you say that, you know, we, we surrendered our, our hearts and our lives to, for the Lord's glory. And sometimes when you're in a place of doubt and, and fear and tragedy, that's all that you can do. And that's, yeah. and that's what is best is to just say, Lord, I can't handle all of this. Well, Emily, thank you so much for sharing. If, if I can real quick, ask you, what is one thing that you want other families who are going through the same thing or have gone through the same thing? What is one
1: thing that you want them to know? Even in the most hopeless moments of our journey, we were never truly hopeless. There was always the hope of eternity. And just remembering that we live in this tension of a broken world and a fallen world where there's sickness and cancer and disease and tragedy and just trusting the Lord that he really can turn what the enemy meant for evil. He really can turn it for good. And it might take my whole life to see that. I pray not. I'm asking the Lord for glimpses, you know, of of redemption in this, um, and we've seen it, but I would just say, um, I dare you to look for God. And even if you're angry at him for what you're walking through, like be angry, but just turn to him and know that what breaks our hearts breaks his heart. He is a father. It's his character. It's who he is. Mm -hmm. And, um, and to just, just run to him yeah and dare to trust him yeah even in the worst it's so so true emily thank you again
0: for for being here and for sharing lucy's story and i just i can't get over how the lord allowed this to happen in person i am just mm-hmm. so grateful that i got to hear this story for the first time since you are a real life friend that mm-hmm. that we didn't have to have this conversation over zoom and i got to be in person for it with you so um also emily you, your Instagram has just made me weep and brought me so much joy at the <laughs> same time. And so I think for this podcast episode and and for just context for sweet yes. Lucy and just to see a picture of sweet Lucy, um, I would encourage our audience to, to go and find you. What is your yeah. Instagram handle?
1: It's Emily and settle.
0: Okay. Find Emily on Instagram and, um, be sure to connect with her. Thank you so much, Allie. Yes, thank you, Emily, for being here. Okay, so behind this podcast is a very real family with passions and burdens and preferences just like you. And I don't know about you, but I like to know where my money is going when I spend it. So we want you to know where your money goes when you support this podcast. So when you give to this podcast, the Weather Channel podcast, you are allowing us to give to the causes that we are most passionate about foster care, adoption, caring for widows, ministering to prisoners and to Christians who are persecuted around the world. We are passionate about being able to give financially to the people God has burdened our hearts for, and when you give to our podcast here at the Weather Channel, you are ultimately supporting these ministries, which by the way we have thoroughly vetted. You can give safely to the Weather Channel podcast at allychristian.com/podcast and you can give by simply donating one time or you can start donating monthly. Either way, we are so grateful for your support in helping us continue this podcast and give to the ministries that we are most passionate about. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you're not falling for a lie that you could never be holy enough to respond to your situation as our guest today did. I know that's sometimes where my head goes when I hear stories of holy struggle, so can I remind you that you have everything you need to respond the same way? Jesus offers hope in our pain, and it usually only requires a perspective shift to notice it. So whether it's time in his word, going for a walk through creation, or a heart to heart with a friend, this is your weekly reminder to take time to snatch that much-needed perspective shift. Thank you.